Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you will have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up featured ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and I'm coming to you from the dark side of Hawaii. Actually, it's three o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time. And we have a guest host of Stand Up and Speak Up today. Dr. Tim McGinnis will be standing in for me. And I really appreciate Tim coming on. We have a great show for you. So hang in there. Here we go. Um, Debbie, yes, sir. thank you for introducing me. And I appreciate the opportunity to stand in as your guest host for today. I know that you're on the call with us from Hawaii. So, aloha. Aloha from, I was going to say sunny Hawaii, but it's only 3 o'clock in the morning, so the sun is about to come out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. In, in a wonderful place. So, um, in the event that we lose you or we lose me, then, then feel free to, to step in. But today, joining me from Kissimmee, Florida, is a, an affiliate of, of hours at SCARS. And by the way, I'm Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm the Managing Director of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, a government-registered, award-winning crime victims assistance and crime prevention organization, nonprofit, based in Miami, Florida. Uh, SCARS has been in business since the beginning of 2015. I personally have 30 years experience dealing with and educating consumers about the perils of online crime. So I want to welcome both Debbie on to her own show and also Liz from Kissimmee. Liz, can you introduce yourself, please? In other words, you're a scam survivor yourself? No, I have never been scammed. Okay. I have, ne I have never been scammed. Um, I... In the 80s, I, I, I was a narcotics officer, so I have always had a police mentality. And when somebody contacted me because they saw me on the Army page and they were pretending to be who you know is Bob Hyde, they, they were trying to start a relationship with me using Hyde's information. And I know enough about the military to know immediately that it was a scammer and that was my first time ever I didn't I didn't know about scammers using our military I had no idea and this was eight eight years ago nine years ago 
And um, so I kept the person talking because the more he talked to me, I talked to him for over a month. He never knew until I dropped the the act pretty much that I knew he was a scammer. I made him believe that I believed everything he said. I never sent him money. I never sent him anything. But I kept him talking because being a, you know, working in narcotics and all, that's how you get your, that's how you get information. That's how you get your evidence. And I have police mentality. Went to college for law enforcement, and so I kept him talking until I found out who he was, his address, his phone number, everything about who was behind the scam. And then since that point, you've been acting as a supporter, volunteer, and liaison between SCARS and the Army's uh, Criminal Investigation Division. Can you talk about some of the support that you've been lending to the Army CID and also helping victims better understand from the Army perspective? Well, the, the Army CID, the multiple offices, receive up to 100 notifications, emails a day from women and that are besides accusing soldiers of scamming them, are wanting evidence, are wanting to know where the real soldiers are. And so the Army has asked me to please start sharing CID information with victims so they can go to their page, how to correctly, and share it on the Army page that in the IC3 so victims know exactly where where to go. So when I see a scammer on social media trying to find victims, I immediately let the victim, the potential victim know, here's the information for CID that you need to go to to see everything we have about scammers. We have the forms that they use, that they're going to send you, what they're going to tell you, everything to let you know that you are not talking to a soldier. And I, I have asked CID when you get these people, if they get too um, intense with them, to send them to me, and, and we can assist them from there. Uh, right now, I've, I have been trying to get a hold of Chris Gray, but unfortunately with everything going on in Afghanistan, the Army is just scrambling. And, and just so people know, Chris is one of the CID officers um, that assists in what investigating uh, potential uh, fake military impersonation scams, Army impersonation scams, and is your primary contact oh. with the Army CID correct? No, no, no. Um, Chris Gray is actually the public relations office for Army CID. So anything that okay. comes out yes. of CID, he he's the one that gives the the talking point. He he's the public relations officer. And then I've talked to Colonel Hyde also. In fact, we had on the Army social media pages we had a visitors post section. And when I talked to Colonel, right. and his, his name's Colonel Hyde. <laughs> When I talked to him about some of the things being posted on that on the visitor section, he had no idea they had a visitor section. 
And he's like, I don't see it. So I walked him through how to find it, and he was like, oh, my God. And he, he, he had it turned off. Because I was like, you, you were having some really, really bad things go, that people are posting on that visitor section. And once I pointed that out to him, he, um, he, he had that removed from the social media pages. Because that, we had a lot of, that's where a lot of the scammers would go in looking for victims. And now they could only post underneath the army post and, there has been just within one or two days after the Afghanistan debacle, I had over 50 scammers on one post of the Army page. They have come out pretending to be SMA Grinston, pretending to be um, General Miley. Let, let's talk about the change that has begun to take place as a result of what's going on in Afghanistan. Can you talk about some of the new storylines that these fake soldiers are putting out now? Oh, absolutely, because I've had a fake soldier contact me. He's a, um, a U.S. surgeon on a peacekeeping mission in, in Kabul right now. And on social media and talking to strangers. Always a good thing. Yes, it is. And so I'm like, you're in Kabul? And sometimes I will talk to them. Most times I shut them down immediately when scammers. They see me on the Army page, but it doesn't seem like they have the common sense to see what I'm actually writing on the Army page um, to, vic to potential victims, because I, I never really post on the Army comments. I'm just on there. They call me their scam buster on their social media pages, and they tell people, you need to listen to her. Remember that scammers, it, it's not that they don't have the common sense. They don't have the physical time. The time that it takes to maintain a pool of potential victims is incredible. And the average scammer is beginning the process with as many as two, three hundred victims at any given time because they know most mm -hmm. of them are going to fall off. So it's you know it's kind of telemarketing 101. It's it's success by volume. So this is the reason why they don't bother to research anything in detail because they know that 99% of them are going to fall off, but that 1% is one that they're going to get money at. So give us an overview of the stories that scammers are putting out in the last couple of days. They're all in Kabul. On Kab um, Kabul. I don't know why I say right. Kabul. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're in – they're on – Peacekeeper mission. Now that's that's, and this is what I tell victims I talk to. And are they? Of course, we you know we all know that right now the Taliban is in complete control of all communications, landlines, Correct. cell towers, internet connectivity, and um, we've heard from the news media that a lot of their own correspondents are unable to get any information in or out unless they have a sat phone that can bypass the Taliban. 
Um, I've also heard from from friends of mine at the Department of State that um, there are no internet communications with large portions of the country that the Taliban have just pulled the plug. Um, and you know, and I, I I must admit to my extreme shock what the Department of State did on their Kabul embassy website where they basically said, sorry, we can't help you, but if you're in need of assistance to evacuate from, from Afghanistan, please fill in this form on our website, include your email address, and we will notify you by email. Like somebody hiding in a basement in Kabul's place is going to rush over to Starbucks to check their email. But regardless of that, um, what have you seen as the volume of new scammer activity in the last uh, the last few days? Over the past seven, eight years since I have been monitoring the Army social media page, I had gotten it down from 100 scammers to 200 scammers a day to maybe two to three scammers a day. Now I'm back up to about 50 scammers in the last three days on one Army post. All pretending yeah. to be soldiers and I mean, they're just blasting women. More and more, they're stealing women soldiers' pictures. Exactly. And they're and, and we've been and, and we've after. been publishing those photos on our scamsonline.org website, which is the Scars Photo Gallery of both stolen photos of fake soldiers, fake men, fake women, as well as real scammers that we report to law enforcement around the world. Um, what specifically are the, the fake soldiers or anyone, fake men or fake women soldiers, uh, military, asking for when they ask for money? What, what is it? Is it for evacuation? Is it for medical supplies? What are they asking for? What is the, what is the emergency element of their scam stories? Pay for my leave. I can come visit you if you pay for my leave. That is the biggest one, and um, and I haven't sent you, I haven't sent you the new form yet, because we have a form of a, a list of everything that they'll send you. But the new one that the a victim sent me the other day, they had a disclaimer on the bottom saying, normally, the army does not ask for money for, for, for military leave, but this is a special circumstance. It's a fiancé leave that's personal, so therefore it has to be paid for when it's personal leave. And I'm like, well, that's new. <laughs> yeah, scammers so, learn, um, and, and they adapt their stories and their fake documents because, you know, what has always surprised me, this is the part that, that I find baffling, is scammers have vast amounts of money. Uh, the estimate was that all cyber crimes worldwide totaled more than $4 trillion last year in 2020. So you've got cartels in Nigeria that are earning $40, 50000000000 billion. Why they're not spending more money on better props is always a surprise to me. But they do learn and they do adapt. When you think back to the eight years ago when you started or 
my own experience when when I really started to see this explode, which was 21 years ago, they've evolved quite a bit. It's no longer the guys sitting on the floor with a laptop. It's it's guys working in office buildings. Um, you know, twenty, fifty, Colleges. hundreds of scammers working together. I've I've noticed um, a lot because I I followed the EFC, the EFCC, and I've noticed that a lot of the arrests we um, they've been doing recently, and they have been doing a lot of arrests. These are college students that are actually in college and scamming from the college. Yes, well, we have a program at Scars where we feed information to, it's quite confidential, so I can't, disclose, I can't disclose any details, but we disclose information to specific agencies around the world, and it has resulted in an explosion over the last three years of arrests in various parts of, of the world, specifically West Africa. And we're seeing a dramatic increase in arrests in the Ivory Coast, we're seeing a dramatic increase of uh, arrests in Senegal and Togo and even a few in Benin, Benin. What we have been incredibly frustrated with is the complete lack of arrests in Ghana. And we've been very critical and outspoken with the police in Ghana about these issues. Um, as, as Debbie can attest to, uh, not long ago, we were a participant in a program with National Geographic, and after speaking with Debbie and myself, the National Geographic team got on a flight and went to Ghana to do a thorough background. That show will come out sometime this fall, probably around the Christmas time. Uh, we don't have a firm date Ooh. yet. But what was particularly interesting is we think that our advocacy program with the Ghanaian police has proven fruitful because literally this last week uh, they reported the first major group of scammers that they've arrested ever in Ghana. Um, to year to date, they've only arrested about 42 scammers, whereas Nigeria, we expect them to end the year at around 3,000 scammers arrested. But that's that's 3,000 more scammers compared to 2016 when it was like 20 scammers a year. Throughout the world, this is going to be a record year in terms of the number of scammer arrests. China has exceeded 230,000 online scammers arrested. South Korea has arrested just this year 12,000 uh, teenage cyber criminals. So the world has really woken up. I know the, the Army is, is hard to reach, but could you talk a little bit about their overall view and perception of this type of crime? Frustration. It, it is very frustrating for them. And, and this is what I tell victims, and I hate, I hate to say this, because a lot of them will find the real soldiers. They just go online and find them. And we just, and I even have a hard time wrapping my head around people just believing everything they say, but then, you know, I'm sending money and they just, it, it frustrates them. It, they, they're just bewildered by 
how people can just open, see that trusting. It's hard for them to comprehend well, because we're, we're not in a, a in a, a type of career, or they're not, that they really are, are trust people, you know. <laughs> so they, it just baffles them. Go ahead, Debbie. Yeah, I, I just have a question. We're looking at it. You and Liz and I have a military background. We're looking at it differently than victims who've got no experience with the military at all. So, Liz, can you explain, you know, is the military doing anything to limit the amount of time that the military can be online? Does it limit the pictures that they can put online? I mean, I've got active duty kids. I know what they can, what they've been told to do and not to do. But I know the Army is frustrated by what victims are doing, but victims, they're, it's hard to explain this to, you know, I guess I'm tongue-tied here. Um, victims are going into this looking at these pictures and they're trustworthy guys and women that are in uniform and they're believing who they are. You know, they're not out right. there thinking, and I wasn't as a victim, ever out there thinking that I'm being scammed by this guy in this picture. You know, so we have to let people understand that pictures that they're looking at of military folks are 99% of the time not, you know, real people. So we have to get the word out that the military pictures are not real people. And that's what I don't, you know, when I was talking with Dr., uh, Dr., with Colonel Denny, Brian was so frustrated that Facebook and the military can't get his pictures offline. Why can't they do that? Is my frustration. Facebook yeah. won't. But I I report exactly all right. fake profiles at least um, every week, and he gets he just got two more notifications from Facebook because I put him on there that this is a friend of mine being used. These are not his profiles. They contact him, and we've gotten notification back. Oh, he has. We're not finding these to be fake. Yeah. And he's like, it is. Those aren't my profiles. Now, now, Liz, the devil is in the details on this. So when you're reporting these profiles, you're doing it through the standard Facebook report mechanism, going to the profile, reporting that profile as fake, and then getting that idiot response. Is that correct? Correct. And we do um, – that's how I'm doing that. Right now, I'm, with the information you sent me for Facebook legal and all, yes. but I'm going through Facebook, and I'm literally searching for I do a little bit more than find just the soldier and this is fake. I, I, I really have to research it and make sure. Um, usually, I, can, I notice, I know right off the bat that it's a fake profile, but... um. However, however, if you give them notice that it is a fake profile and you send it through Facebook legal, as I suggested, you don't have uh -huh. to research it. You simply have to make the assertion and, if necessary, send it through CID and have them send it to Facebook. Then Facebook has the legal liability if they fail to act. On Facebook today, they are nearing 3 billion active users, they claim. 
The reality is, according to the former president of Facebook in the fall of 2018 when he came out with his expose, he said at that time that more than 50% of the profiles were fake, that they were not authentic human beings. That's a startling revelation, and it's one that no shareholder of Facebook has ever held Facebook accountable for, no advertiser of Facebook, nor was the FTC. Now, under the previous U.S. administration, the FTC was developing a case exactly based on this. However, yep. we've learned this year that that case has been dropped. But we do what we can do because when Facebook is put on notice, then their immunity goes away. They now have to respond. And if they come back with nonsensical answers, they're liable. And, and you know, we, we discussed this, for example, with Bob Hyde that you were talking about before. One of the things that I would like to, to move on to at this point in time and bring in one of our other guests is to talk about the challenges that victims face. And by the way, Liz, one of the things that um, I, I think probably would be a good idea would be if when Army CID comes back above water again, if you can um, suggest to them that Debbie and I will be very happy to do a training program with them and their staff to really help them understand what victims are going through. We're in the process of publishing what we call our Cobalt book. Uh, it's one of a series of books that SCARS publishes through its store, which is uh, shop.againstscams.org. Uh, we just published our green book, which is our self-help guide for scam victims. But we're going to be publishing uh, near the end of this month our guide for police officers and government interaction with scam victims. So they can both understand the point of view of the scam victim, understand the basics of victims' rights associated with this situation, and more importantly, understand how to explain to victims what they can, what they cannot do, and to properly set victim expectations. And we'd be more than happy to provide copies of that to, to Army CID as well. So we know that this is a problem. We, we actually created the, this guide originally, and it was distributed by the Department of Homeland Security uh, two years ago. Um, you know, do let CID know that we are a resource that can provide them with much greater depth of understanding and explain why this is happening. The truth is everybody can be scammed. And while it may not make sense, even they can be scammed. Everybody can be scammed. Before we move on to recovery, um, do you just want to uh, add any final thoughts on the topic of, of military and uh, fake soldiers and scams? They're dangerous people. Don't play with them. Once I tell you it's a scammer, you stop contact immediately. They're dangerous. When I worked, at, I was at the exchange, this um, military widow came through 
I, I had to check somebody out. She came through my line with all of these iTunes gift cards. Hmm. Now, I, I knew I can sell her iTunes gift cards unlimited, but I also knew this woman was being scammed. And so I told her, I said, well, let me get authorization that I can sell you $1,000 worth of iTunes gift cards because there may be a limit. And she goes, why would there be a limit? I said, well, we have a lot of people that are in the military that are not military but pretending to be military. And one of the top things a scammer will ask you for is an iTunes gift card. And I told her what I, what I did and, and everything. And come to find out, she was being scammed, and she was buying them for a scammer. The FTC reports that over 70% of all money sent to scammers right now is in the form of gift cards. Wow. It's easy, you know. It's, e it's an easy thing to do. And, Tim, you and I have talked about it. it it's young, young women are doing it, too. Young girls can do that. They can get a hold of their parents' credit card and buy, buy gift cards. They can't go to the bank and wire money. So it's, it's an easy exactly. way to transfer money, and it's dangerous. So. And with these scammers, they just want you to, to give them the number off of the back, and then the, boom, they have, that, they have it right there. Yeah. It's, well, it's infinitely it easier than Bitcoin, which is actually now becoming, it's on the verge of becoming the number two payment method of choice. Do you find that that might be the younger generation? Because I'm a very cautious about not getting into Bitcoin. But my nephew in his you know, early 30s, that's all he uses. But it's also partly driven by locality. So for example, if you're a victim in Asia, you are more likely to be asked to pay by Bitcoin than by gift cards, which are not available locally. Okay. So if you're in a village in the Philippines, you can download a wallet. You can, you can buy Bitcoin and send that for a quote-unquote investment. Our, our chapter partner in Vietnam, that's the way she was in fact scammed. American banks and European banks are where most of the money transfers take place. So we see that as a big percentage, but that's still a difficult proposition because of our money laundering or anti-money laundering laws. So scammers still rely on gift cards. And I think at the end of the day, one of the things that you know, we rely on our governments to do from a, from a product safety point of view is protect us from product abuse, in this case, gift card abuse. The reality is government, at least in the United States, is not doing anything significant to mitigate this. United Kingdom is a rock star. Europol doing a good job. But the U.S. is not so much. Now, next week, my guest will be a very interesting person who is, in fact, a terrorism analyst with uh, one of the Canadian, major Canadian think tanks. And we're going to be talking about not only terrorism funding in a broad sense, but also organized crime that terrorism creates, sponsors, manages as a funding mechanism for organizations like Al-Qaeda. Very timely. I hope you'll join us next week. 
Thank you, Liz. Uh, the information that you presented was exceptional and greatly appreciated. And again, everyone, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, this is Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm the Managing Director of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scam. Uh, thank you, everyone, for participating in our show today. And I will turn this back over to Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida. We support scam victims worldwide. If you can, please make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our benfotaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks to everybody for being with us today. Go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, enjoy the replays, and be sure to go to Amazon.com and check out The Woman Behind the Smile, The Triumph Over the Ultimate Online Dating Betrayal, and my new book, A Gift Called Fearless. Have a great day, and thanks very much for being with us.